We're recording, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to uh, another Friday special of the Hallway Wrestling Podcast. New webcam. I've decided to get a webcam because, I mean, I did. I just wanted to highlight how ugly it was. Uh, so um, <laughs> we are. My name is the manager. I forgot Ryan, and I am joined by Mister Grapple himself. It's Ben or Richard Benson. How are you, sir? I'm good, mate. Yeah, uh, I'm wearing my post hat today, so we need to get the grapple merch sorted um, out so I can uh, I can plug that stuff. But no, genuinely uh, happy to be here. Shame about the shirt you're wearing, but I'll let that go. Oh yeah, well, well, well listen, listen. I'm I'm still, I'm very depressed. I'm very I'm very I'm very depressed. So uh, so yeah, you can bring your Everton. There you, go. you don't really my vintage uh, 2011 uh, Everton shirt on. <laughs> you don't really you don't really talk about your football much, or from what I've from when I've so. Uh, um, I thought you weren't a bit I, of a big football person, but are you? Are you big into, it or are you just like a kind of a? I've been at times like when I was a kid, and like I had. I mean, to be fair, I had a season ticket, and you know, for most of the David Moyes era of Everton, which is a great era to have a season ticket for. Um, but yeah, that, for me, actually, to be fair, like I, like I've been in and out of football, and when horrible subject to kick off with, but you know, when Benoit happened, and you know, I was wrestling myself in two thousand seven or so. And I just kind of got sick of wrestling. And just all of a sudden, like, football just took over my life for about five years. So I had, like, a season ticket in those years. But these days, I'm more into my fancy football than the actual football. Uh, yeah, you're doing well in the uh, Rory. You shout out to Rory on Fancy League. Uh, Jordan was saying earlier that he's... he's he's pip, pipping you up there but uh I'm, I'm doing terrible like i can't i can't stick with fancy no matter how much you say it all the time it's it's very hard to stick to during the year because especially with this year the the games are just coming every two days it's, it's actually impossible to keep up but i still have harry kane as my captain but um okay it's yeah. been keeping me on this entire lockdown it's it's just something to focus on that's not wrestling that's <laughs> uh it's just yeah it fills the days the uh, the old fancy football and the football in general yeah, no, but um, Liverpool in general, I have, an interest, I have an, an interesting story. My only Liverpool match I've ever been to was the Merseyside Derby in 2009. Because oh. uh, no, no one knows, in Ireland, it is a lot of money to get over to like for a Liverpool match. You have to know someone to get a Liverpool ticket like it, it, or, or just pay an extortionate amount of money. So we went over and Gerrard scored a 20-yard screamer. I think we were going for the title in 2009 against United. Gerard scored an absolute mm. belter. 97 minute, your boy Tim Cahill pops up with a flick header at the front post. The taxi driver in Liverpool was, was fuming with me because I was <laughs> not nine years old, just bawling my eyes out on the way home. It was a horrible, horribly oh. ever Liverpool experience. To, but yeah, I, I went oh, back after that trip as well. I went back for the golf as well. Uh, so so we, oh, we, we, we went back and saw Rory McIlroy win the Open. So we, we, we've even we've even that out. But uh. <laughs> Yeah, and just quick disclaimer because people are listening to this. We'll probably we are not going to discuss the um, ongoings with Brit Rest that are uh, taking over the the wrestling world right now. If you want to listen to um, Benno's opinion on it, you can go over to Grapple. Uh, Benno, you can plug that right now. But uh, if if it's easy, because I just I just I just want to say it now that we're not we're going to discuss some some fun stuff as opposed to kind of. Uh, Benno's already spoken about it, so and, and anything that I can say isn't what they've already said. So. Yeah, the thing it's going to be probably be immediately out of date by the time we finish this podcast based on on this weekend. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, firstly, want to say, obviously, yeah, we cover this stuff over on Grapple and, you know, we've made a donation to there's a couple of crowd justices out there and GoFundMe's out there if you're looking yeah. for a way to support this stuff, uh, to, you know, to, to do some good, I suppose, in the, in the face of all this stuff. Uh, look out for those links. We did have them in the, in the last Grapple. Um, but yeah, we, we talked at length about uh, the issue on uh, Grapple Spotlight on Monday night. Um, and yeah, if that's helpful for anyone or cathartic, um, hopefully we've we've done our job there and, and 
and dealt with the subject in a in a tactful way. Um, but it, it's everywhere. It's you can't you can't avoid that. It is the you know the the elephants in the room in British wrestling and wrestling in general in 2020 and 2021, and it has kind of defined this last year or so. Yeah, it will be a bit outdated by the time this comes out because um, I'm safe in saying that by the time this comes out, we will have a sponsor. Um, Manscaped are sponsoring this podcast, so use code all the way for 20% off. i got to give the plug there. <laughs> uh, there will be an ad so- somewhere in here. This will put an ad somewhere in here. But let's get on to... Um, oh, yeah, let's get on to some lighter topics. Lockdown. How has lockdown been for you, Venom? How, how, how have you been keeping? You've been going on long walks okay. like JP? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I was going to say like the Manscaped sponsor I could do with them. Just I actually didn't realize this was going to be video, so it looks gruffy. I'm sorry, everyone. <laughs> um, but I, um, this is as good as a beard as I can grow, and I'm quite a bit older than you. I'm 36 years old, and this is the best oh, I can do. Mine, mine um, isn't even a beard. Let's just let's let's just call this beard a beard. Barely a beard. <laughs> You're doing better than me, mate. Um, so yeah, this is kind of the the state of my lockdown right now. I, yeah, I don't think anyone's having a good time. Like I was talking to my boss in work today and it was like, I think everyone, at the same time, everyone wants to go, right, but I'm not the only one. But that doesn't mean your hard time is any less, any less, I suppose, is the best way of putting it, just because everyone else is going through the same thing. So yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hard time at the minute, but, you know, trying to, trying to keep busy, trying to stay motivated. Yeah, going on like the odd walk. Um, like I said, the, the fancy football helps. The wrestling usually helps, uh, apart from, you know, some of the things. The kettlebell he's, he's thrown at us recently. Uh, but yeah, just trying to get by, really. There's uh, all the days are, are melting into to one another. But uh, it does seem like we have a bit of a, maybe light at the end of the tunnel. If it wasn't for college and stuff, I just wouldn't be able to put a timeline on anything. I'd be, if it wasn't for mm. the boring stuff, you just wouldn't be able to put a timeline. But um, mm-hmm. over over in England, um, light at the end of the tunnel, you said, um, this July 21st, all these memes gone around of all the people in the pubs. What do you think of, how much weight do you hold and like, how much trust do you have in your government to get to that day? Because uh, our government just announced another nine-week lockdown and all the vaccine kind of stuff. I'm not, un- until I step foot inside a pub, I will not put a date on anything because it's just so unpredictable these days. And the government's... I mean, you've Boris at the head. We have, we we don't have the best government in the world either. So, what 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 are your thoughts on the kind of whole uproar about July twenty first and that big opening, grand opening of the of the UK? I think it's worse than that. I think the only reason I know this, I think it's June twenty first. June twenty first. But the only reason I know that, and I wouldn't otherwise, is because it's my birthday in June. So it's kind of like, oh, maybe we could do something my birthday weekend at the at the very least, uh, if we had a couple of days before that. But you're right, yeah. There's a lot of memes going out about first day in the pub, and people that are, I don't know, people might be setting themselves up for a, a bit of a fall uh, <laughs> if the uh, if the last year's anything to go by, um, especially with yeah the, those lot in charge. Um, I don't really give much faith to anything Boris Johnson says. I do. I'm trying to yeah stay positive on that front because it would be great if it was true and things get at least a little bit back to normal in June. Like I don't know if it was the same for you guys over there, but like that that little kind of end of summer autumn period last year like especially in the uk where we were able to go out a bit more and you know it was probably doomed but we had like the eat out to take out stuff yeah you could actually see your friends and you could you know live a bit of a life other than this groundhog day of uh, being trapped indoors um even a return to that would be great to be honest so i'd, I'd take that even if we don't get like the, the full freedom i think some people are expecting in june yeah, we had our Christmas day open for Christmas, and like I, I saw, I, I'm glad because I saw my college friends for the first and only time that we have in 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 this. But we just knew there was something going to happen, and then it kind of exploded. So, 
I mean, we'll take everything. We don't take anything for granted. <laughs> if anyone's lit, do not do not bank on that twenty first of June. But let's hope my birthday's in May. I can't really, I can't really say uh, my birthday's going to be celebrated outdoors. But we will, uh, we will move on and talk about um, wrestling. Um, this is a very, very, uh, very, very run of the mill question. But how did you get into wrestling in the first place? What was that? Or- what was that origin story like? Um, for me, it would have been through my cousins and my family, like being. You know, being th- in my mid-30s, I think, kind of lucky enough to live through kind of the two big wrestling booms. Because I think in the UK, we got the, the 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 rock and wrestling, the Hulk Hogan boom later, I think on a bit of a delay. Um, and it was all kind of already cooling down by the time it got hot over here. But 1991, 1991, 1992, when I would have been about seven or eight, like it was the only thing people were talking about in school and the like. And obviously the SummerSlam 92, which is the other big memory but yeah it was that it was one of my my older cousin john kind of he was the, he was he was the one who was always most into wrestling i don't think he's even bothered anymore and here i am you know 30 years later doing podcasts about the stuff um but yeah i just i remember him kind of having tapes and i was watching you know big boss man and the mountie and things as uh, things like that and um, that you know the work rate fan of me these days my maybe not boss man actually but the mountie would, uh, <laughs> would shudder at a little bit um so yeah i was lucky enough kind of to be around during at least the, the boom in the uk and for me i was one of those that i was that one kid in school who kind of stuck with it and when all my mates had stopped watching wrestling in 94 95 96 i was still watching it and then they all came back for the second boom period for austin and the rock and that they all came calling back eventually but yeah pretty much with a couple of small exceptions up in there right through how do you think I feel? I um, it was me and my podcast co-hosting school. We were the two man. T- apart from when when WrestleMania came around and people wanted to Google them spoilers and tell you to when when, when I watched WrestleMania the next day, I I had oh, someone I had I, I had someone I had someone who doesn't watch wrestling come to me and go the Hardy Boys return, just <laughs> just that's it. And I was just like oh, Jesus. But but um yeah, what take, um, take a lot of joy in doing that. Some people as well don't oh, think like I don't say a thing. It'd be like that one kid who'd gone on the internet at the moment before school. I was intent on ruining it for you. Oh man, they 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 love it. But um, that, that bring I was I haven't got this question down, but I've asked it before. Um, I've asked Stephanie Chase this, and she said Stadium Stampede. Um, if you were to kind of if someone came up to you and was like, all right, one of your mates was, who doesn't watch wrestling was like, all right, I'll give this a shot. Um show me one match to get me invested in it what would you show them would you show them someone comedic or would you does it really depend on the person would you show them something technical or would you show them someone some mental i mean i think firstly i'd tell them to save themselves um, <laughs> <laughs> i just just don't <laughs> i think we, we don't uh, if, they, if they're asking me that question surely we're friendly there I don't want to put them through <laughs> this fandom. Um, it's like, yeah, Star, Wars. It's like Star Wars fandom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, there's, there's more pain than, than joy. Um, I suppose you'd have to. It's, it's hard because it, it was so long ago, but I still think the glory is are the attitude here. And I think something like an Austin Rock, something easy like that might well grab someone. It wouldn't be any modern WWE. If it was something modern, yeah, Steph, you know, something at AEW might be a good shout. That's kind of the wrestling's problem right now, isn't it? It's, a, it's attracting new fans, and we yeah. don't really attract new fans. We just kind of dig from that same core group of people. Yeah, AEW is a big one because I think there's a lot of matches on there. That, um, and there's a lot of storylines that can, like just the Hangman storyline. I read an article about the mental health side of things, that how, how he's portraying that absolutely perfectly. I think that's a great storyline to get into um, just because mm. he's just so like us. But I, I went for a left field one, and I don't know why, but jo- something about Joe Kabashi, because I know uh, oh. from... From personal experience, there's a guy who 
we've nicknamed when you put nicknames in a messenger group, Joe, we've nicknamed the guy Big Misty Boy because he watched Joe Kabashi and watching them slapping the tits off each other and the like the mist just flying everywhere, just grab someone because it's like it's the closest, it's almost the closest thing to like just a UFC open hand palm strike fist fest that is just that like mm-hmm. rest. I, I love that match so much and people. Well. And I know it seems like our oh, Ring of Honor is not really a new person's promotion, but Joe Kobashi, there's something about it that just grabs people in and it has proven track. Well, you, know, you know, this is my intro to, to pull over and I've got my Joe Kobashi DVD cover over there because it was is a show I was at live. Um, well, probably my favorite live match to ever be at. Um, I think that's easy to say, it being a, a five-star match. But yeah, it was exactly that. It's like hard, hard strikes the loudest crowd I've ever been a part of. Like when, when Kabashi came out, it was in New York and hair just stood on the back of my neck. It was that loud in there um, yeah. and the reaction and the investment. And it, yeah, for me, it was like indie. It was a dream match. My indie hero, Samoa Joe against, you know, Kenta Kabashi. But I could see that, you know, someone from the outside kind of getting it immediately with an atmosphere like that, with a physical style like that. You know, even something like a Samoa Joe Necro Butcher on that same oh, year might, geez, actually, yeah. might, might appeal to somebody, you know, who, doesn't, who thinks all this wrestling stuff is soft and thinks they're never going to be into it, you know? There's every chance. Wrestling's like ice cream. Some people like chocolate, yeah. some people like strawberry. There's a damn Barry cup. There's a damn Barry <laughs> But yeah, no, I spoke to Kerry Silicon on the podcast and the day before Kabashi and Joe, uh, day before Kabashi and Joe were meant to fight, um, Kibash, Joe offered, uh, Kerry offered Kabashi Paul McCartney tickets and and Kabashi's manager was like, no, nah, he doesn't want them. I was just like, the day before he slaps the tits off someone, he's just like, no, nah, I don't want, don't want to go, don't want to go to this Paul McCartney concert in uh, in New York. But um, so yeah, and then obviously, fan fandom turns into working in wrestling, and then kind of, I mean, we can all tie that in together with the British wrestling experience and Grapple, which are two fantastic podcasts. They're, I'm a big fan of the the, t- the two products. Thank you. No problem at all. How much did how did the kind of fandom turn into? Um, turn into the, the job and then moving on to grapple now which is the patreon's flying there so how did that how did that come about yeah um i suppose i, I just kind of think for most hardcore fans like i think there comes a, there always comes a moment where it's like you know i'm so into this i'm living and breathing this it's like why don't i try and do it myself um to, to varying degrees of success and mine was not a success um but yeah i think for me that it is it's that ring of honor period um you know like say joe kabashi going over for that show and i was not a regular, but I went to a fair amount of shows in the US during that period because we didn't really have a, you know, a great um, Brit scene over here to, to, to say the least in those years, 2005, 2006 or so. Um, although, you know, some companies were up and coming. Um, so I was so into that that, it, yeah, it kind of became a thing of, oh, you know what, I need to look at like a, a local wrestling school and and see if see if see if I can find it. We all have those like delusions of grandeur, don't we? We all think, oh, maybe maybe I could do it, maybe. Um, and yeah, for me, it was Wigan-based uh, GPW. Um, we were running shows at that point, and I went to one of their live shows 2006, um, not expecting a huge amount. And I went, and it was kind of at that early stage of Brit Res turning into something that was something that the world might be interested in watching. It was very early stages, but you know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, no offense to them, although I will say it on my own podcast, you know, you're Robbie Brooks' sides of the world and the world of sport round style that you know fans of my generation just weren't interested in um it was morphing into something a bit more indie you know with oi um and gpw at the time were doing a lot of stories and stuff and the other cool you know, stuff decent the, the, the yeah cool, and, the, yeah. and they had a decent quality in ring like uh 
the first match I saw, I had a couple of lads in baggy pleather pants. Uh, Matt Richards, who's the who was the Progress Ring announcer for a while, was in that match, and they were basically doing a knockoff of Special K from Ring of Honor. Hmm. And I just remember thinking, oh, okay, so there's Brits who are actually attempting, you know, US indie style as well. And yeah, from being at the show, I ended up uh, chatting to um, Jiggy Walker, who's uh, one of my uh, best friends still to this day, um, kind of. He's from Liverpool also, so he was on the train home from the show. And I, to be honest, I stalked him a little bit. I made sure I got on the same train carriage as him, sat in the opposite seat as him, and was just like, oh, oh, oh don't, don't, don't worry, I've done that as well. Don't worry. I literally, <laughs> literally, I it's it's all about networking and wrestling. Like literally, mm. I'm at, I'm at the the alleged wrestling podcast here we share all the time in from Raw with Scrapper Scrapper Mania, and just mm. before they left, I was like, where can I find you? And they were just like podcast live chat, and then it just explodes from there. It's great. You need to take a you need to take a gamble sometimes, and it's it's been up, up, people. Yeah, it's uphill ever since because I didn't really have like I uh, like when I was in school, I was just like. I'm, I, I watch wrestling and I've got one person who discusses wrestling and what's going on. And now Twitter is, well, as much as we give Twitter shit, Twitter is a is a wonderful place 2% at a time because it, it makes like networks yeah. like this and other people as well. So it grows from there. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So yeah, making that connection with him and, you know, speaking to him on, you know, speaking to Twitter back then, it was the UK fan forum for me. Um, you know, chatting to him on there, making friends with him and him and... I think it is lying to me well because I was like, oh, you know what? I don't think I haven't really been going to the gym and stuff. I don't think I could do this wrestling stuff. And he was like, ah, to be honest, half of the lads in the ring don't go to the gym, so you'll be all right. <laughs> so I took, with that level of confidence, I uh, I went to training and yeah, trained with GPW for a couple of years. wasn't very good at it. I had a few squash matches um, where I was the one getting squashed. Um, I had, a, had a couple of competitive matches, but not a huge amount. You can see my uh, my cage match uh, profile as it, uh, the majority of it. Um, in black and white, and it doesn't make for pretty reading. I was just uh, about to ask, did you have a cage match? <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, I do. I'm also on wrestling data, which is like another German equivalent of uh, of cage match. Although yeah, I believe cage match itself is, uh, is German too. But yeah, there is a there is a, a picture of me on that one. Um, but on on the on proper cage match, yeah, my bio is there, um, and it's got a couple of uh, Benson Richards slash Easy Ernie Benson uh, losses on there that are at least the ones that that, that made record. Uh, one day I'll do that podcast where we go back and, uh, oh, and discuss those times and discuss me, me basically just getting beaten up and being not very good at it. I would yeah, love to hear Will Coolen just destroy you, <laughs> all. just absolutely rip it apart. Uh, uh, shout out to Will Coolen, but uh, but, <laughs> but but yeah, um, and then obviously, how did speaking of Will Coolen, how did you meet Will and JP and Gareth and? How did the kind of British wrestling experience and then grapple come together? Well, I mean, I suppose that the start of it is meeting, you know, Joe, the uh, the former Rev Joe of uh, of Grapple Spotlight, who, uh, who no longer podcasts for good reason. Um, I completely, I completely understand why he left. Um, but I knew him from those Ring of Honor days. So again, you know, message boards. Uh, he was similar to what you're saying about Twitter and the the OTT fan base. He was just one of the other people on the Ring of Honor message board. Met up with him when Ring of Honor ran Liverpool. And vaguely kept in touch since, but I'm not going to lie. But then we were like, we were best mates over the years. We'd uh, maybe go back and forth on Twitter every now and then and, you know, be friendly when we saw each other. But it wasn't until 2000 and I think it would have been 15 um, that I started going to progress shows in the UK. Because like I say, you know, when I was wrestling, we had like the early stage of like a bit of a creative boom and the, you know the the super workers, I suppose, that became like the the top men in uh, in Brit Res were kind of just getting started. 
Um, but it wasn't until, yeah, 2011, 2012, and then Progress and, you know, Rev Pro and promotions like a PCW, who got left out of the conversation a lot, um, and ICW kind of got going properly. Uh, and it was all the way until 2015 when, you know, I was going to a lot of local shows, going to a lot of PCW, still going to GPW, but I was very much in my Northwest bubble. And then 2015, I made my first trip down to, to Camden to the electric ballroom. And yeah, when I was there, literally standing there uh, in the corner, um, Harcom side, and just all of a sudden Joe walked past. Um, so tapped him on the shoulder, I had a way with him. And from that point on, anytime I went to a progress show, he was there with JP. So I just get chatting to them. And that's kind of where I started to kind of have the idea of doing a podcast and um, because you know you know from i know you listen to the shows you know jp could talk for england as can joe <laughs> you were all, always great conversations and i'd always think if i was going to start a podcast these are the lads that i'd get on and yeah. yeah in the in the midst of that martin bushby does British wrestling experience invited me on his podcast completely blind um just because he'd saw me write some reviews for for pw torch and for for indie corner of a uh, of progress shows back then he, he took a bit of a gamble on me let me on his podcast i got a real taste for it and the first thing i did was was uh, speak to joe and jp and was like we need to start our own thing lads yeah, and now it's it's grown from strength to strength. Obviously, you don't need my uh, you don't need my uh, plugs, but uh, I'll put it all in the description. Patreon, I'll definitely be getting onto that soon. Some great content Thank going you. out there. Um, but yeah, um, I think we should get on to it. Sixteen carat. How did the? Were you there from the the start of the kind of weekenders? As in, like you know, there's a difference in like sixteen carat. When when did the kind of weekenders start? Where did, like everyone just come like comes to Oberhausen from all sides of the wrestling like fandom, and then like all comes mm-hmm. together to like because these things even if you're not in if you're not like a big wrestling fan if you're on twitter you know the 16 carat weekenders because just because they get so much traction when it when it when it happens because it's such an event now um mm-hmm. i mean case in point i found out about them and then obviously got got over there last year can you pinpoint the moment where like it all kind of came together and and any good memories from those weekends you probably have plenty <laughs> yeah i think it's probably uh, i think that that kind of it all ties into the podcast and stuff like the first time we went over we got invited by wxw they they got in touch with indie corner and said do you want to send anybody over to do media and you know this was 2017 2018 so this is quite late on to be honest um and British companies don't really do that. Um, Progress are the exception, you know, maybe Wembley um, and a couple of other shows. Not that I got an invite, but, you know, of course I didn't. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't oh. give me an invite either. OTT are quite close to their chest in terms of the media. Yeah, and, you know, Rev Pro don't offer any kind of facility like that. So it was a bit kind of out of the blue for Indie Corner to get the invite. And that was the reason why we went the first time. So... I suppose the year before that, so the big year with uh, Ilya and Walter with oh. that five star, five star match, that felt like the year where there were people going. You know, Alan Farrell, for example, was going for years and obviously does the commentary for WXW or did the commentary for WXW. There were other people, you know, your Alan Cheap shots of the world, the, the lads from Voices of Wrestling, loads of the way people making the trip already. But I think that trip and the word of mouth out of that trip 
spread like wildfire because they were all there live for this five-star match. And it just meant every, I think that made it a hot ticket. And again, it's quite recent history, really, but it made, you know, the likes of us want to go ever since that. I haven't missed a carrot or a, or a, a tag weekend or whatever they do at the, uh, the end of the year for the big festival uh, up until last year, obviously. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of the birth of it and what made it such a such a hot thing was, yeah, they delivered a match that good. They had the right people there um, covering it who could spread that word. And that is something, you know, WXW always did a really good job was, uh, you know, identifying you know, outlets um, that would that would help them. Um, you know, they get criticism too, but you know, help them by 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 getting coverage. And they exploited that the last couple of years, and it, it definitely really worked to the point where, you know, last year when I was there and when you were there, it was, you know, wall to wall Irish and Brits. Yeah, oh. it was like like being an OTT show at points. <laughs> yeah, um, like if anyone hasn't seen it, just look at Walter Ilya Dragunov and just that entrance. It is the like the most goosebump moment even if you aren't there if you're watching on youtube you can't help but just like be in awe of what happened and then that would that, that would get the book for going over but um we all we love a story on here benno so um um if there's one story from a carrot weekend that like stands out in your mind or any funny story or just fun or just story that encompasses the magic of a carrot weekend is there anything you've got on the top of your head that you can you can share because there's a lot that we can't oh, i've been there's a lot that we can't share but there is <laughs> but if you can but if you can share it it is there anything you've got yeah, what happens in the after party stays in the after party, oh. I think, is kind of the uh, the rule of uh, of those uh, those trips. Yep. Yeah, um it <laughs> that's what I'm trying to think. Like what's what's a map? Well, I think Will Cooling's always high 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 quality entertainment, just being around that man for a full weekend. Um, you know, sat there with his with his little flask of uh, of rum, uh, getting himself in trouble uh with the Cigar. security at the show. Yeah, being at the bar and just just being Will Cooling and sauntering around like he owns the place. Uh, like the last the last one I was at, like me and him after one of the shows got um, got the, the the bus back, and I've had some some bad experiences with the uh, with the public transport over there. I was the idiot the first year I went to. You know, the the Sarahs and the Four Ls will always say, "Stamp your bus ticket." If you if anyone's ever thinking of going on to Germany, they take this stuff very seriously. Um, stamp that ticket. I did stamp my ticket, but unfortunately in trying to, because I did German um, at GCSE, so I, th- I think I can speak a little bit of German, but I clearly can't speak German that well because I bought the wrong, the wrong ticket off the driver. Didn't realize, I think instead of buying a return, I bought two singles in the same direction. Um, so I tried to use the return ticket and I got stopped by the, 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 uh, the guards. So they pulled me off the bus. Uh, made me give them, I had to, luckily I had my passport on me because I'd only arrived that day. I had to give them all of my details. Uh, they sent a, they did actually uh, send a fine. It did somehow make it to my address. Like it was ridiculous. My name was spelt wrong. It had my entire address wrong. It didn't even have the postcode. But those German bus conductors, they find they a way. The they find you and they did find me with that. I didn't pay it. So anytime I've gone back to Germany since, I've been terrified on my way to the, the same guard. Like, the same guard's gonna come up. But lads, we we never say we're educational. But if there's one lesson you learn out of this, is stamp your bus ticket. At that point, like yeah, so like I know that lesson, and there. To be fair, I've had a couple of scares since where like you just sometimes you forget. <laughs> some, there was a time where I had like a day ticket, and I just forgot that I hadn't renewed it, and luckily you know, some some guards came on the bus, and I managed to update it on because you can use the app. So that's another good tip for you. There's apps out there you can use. I managed. To oh, I it. I was introduced to the app by Will Kilden, and the get one. The the Flix bus stops are me- are meant. To, I don't know if you had it, but my Flix bus stop to Cologne was like in an industrial estate, just a random industrial estate beside an old train station. They're impossible to find as well. 
So leave yourself yeah, oh, plenty yeah. of them. Leave yourself you need to look on like TripAdvisor or something and, and, and find the exact description of where they, oh, I do that same exact trip. Um, but yeah, the, the, the worst with the buses was with Will Cooling, where like, yeah, after one of the shows late at night, me and him making our way back. And I got my ticket because I am careful about that now. Will was like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Don't you know it? The uh, the conductors get on, get on the bus. And Will Cooling did the best job I've ever seen of being confused British tourist. <laughs> oh, Sorry, am I meant to pay now? Sorry, I didn't realize you were supposed to pay when you first get on. And the guys were like, "Oh, come on, you're joking. No matter where you're from, you must know. You must. You need to pay to get on." And he's like, "Oh, I just, I didn't understand. I'm so sorry. This is actually my hotel. This next stop. Do you mind if I just get off?" And they were like, "You know what? Fine, whatever. Just didn't want to deal with the trouble of, uh, of all uh, Billy Cooling. You know, he managed to talk his way out of it, which I didn't, but somehow he did. He puts the he puts the cooling cooling. That's for sure. But um." But no, the, the thing is, the, the, the thing is with the German, like I, I did German for six years and I was still doing it. Like my, my, my uh, final exams were, were still like on as at that time. So like they got canceled eventually. But at that time I, I'd gone over just after like the mock exams and I was like, oh, I can't wait to use my German. I'm going to go in. I went into the shop beside the NH and I literally just froze. They were just like, I was, I was, I meant to ask for a bag. And I just forgot the word for bag. And I just started, I just started like saying the word at them. I forgot to say, I forgot to say, I want the bag. I just started saying the word bag. And I was just like, geez, <laughs> like if, if, if you think you know a language, it's different gravy when someone starts screaming at you in that language. That's the thing. Like I can confidently like walk up to a bar and say, you know, I'm beer from Fastbitter, you know, one beer from the tap, please. Or is my beer from Fastbitter? And I can do that. As soon as, like, you're right, as soon as they hit back, as soon as they think, oh, he speaks German, and then they start trying to have a conversation, you're fucked. Uh, so, you're, to be honest, yeah, that is, that's another traveling tip, actually. I think you are better off just being the stupid English person and just going, two, beer, and playing. Well, uh, it works. Yeah. I, hate to, I hate to shoot, but at least the Germans aren't like the French, where they actually learn the English language <laughs> and, and, will, and, <laughs> and, and, and will communicate back to you in English. But uh, uh, they're not like the, the Brits either, unfortunately, where we just don't know <laughs> any other kind of language. <laughs> but yeah, um, so sixteen car weekend last like mm. last year was um was an interesting weekend in terms of uh like British you could tell like the Brit rest was kind of was kind of in a transitional period and the weekend started off amazing like amazingly we, we thought this was gonna like the, the tournament started off very well, the ambition, we're gonna to ambition in a minute, but Ambition was the best event of the weekend, but could you kind of sense that, like with the whole Karen Noir thing, that there was something when he won super strong stuff, and then when he we he was seemed to be booked quite strong going into Karen, his debut was announced. Could you sense the tide was turning in terms of the landscape, and like it was kind of preempting the whole network expansion that we, we we've seen today? Yeah, I think that 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 has been in the air a while. I think you know. Yeah. You're bitter like us in the UK and Ireland, um, <laughs> and we've experienced it especially uh, in the UK this this last while or so. We kind of saw the signs coming. You know, Christian Jacoby was the the genius behind WXW and why it was so well regarded. You know, disappeared um, without a without any real explanation for where he was gone. And you know, he was suffering from you know personal issues as well that played into it, but. Obviously, you know, the, the suspicious Brits started to get a little bit more suspicious. Um, we've seen what what has happened with, with progress and the like, you know, with this quote-unquote relationship with WWE. And WXW weren't really making a secret of it. You know, they were there were questions they wouldn't answer. 
when we did the media stuff, um, stuff they couldn't answer, stuff they didn't want to answer. Lucky kid. Um, <laughs> yeah, lucky kid was one of my common question. Uh, what's the deal with lucky kids? I'd, I'd ask that every year um, since he won Carrot. Yeah, I never got an answer or every few months uh, when we were over there. Um, so yeah, there was a, there was an era of that and it did become, it's still a great place to go. And oh. still, they, couldn't, they couldn't be better hosts as well. Uh, but there were questions they couldn't answer. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it hasn't dated well, but a, a lot of our questions were like, like about the likes of David Starr. You know, he was a hugely controversial figure um, this time last year and is rightfully more so now. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I think there was a lot of that and it, it kind of started to... There was a point where the Carrot weekend the week year before where they played the um, WWE NXT kind of Robbie Brookside video where it was like, it was clear WWE PR and they played it on the big screen. And it was just talking about, you know, how great the performance center is and the relationship with WXW. And a lot of it was how much he loves the German fans and stuff like that. But that video stopped playing. And me, you know, the likes of Will, you know, I think JP and Joe were there that year, all looked at each other and were just like, this is done. <laughs> this is this is exactly what we feared. Uh, getting the claws in. Oh, can yeah, I... Will. Yeah, can't can't wait for Disco King Frankie and Mike Schwartz to show up in in WWE. I just can't 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 <laughs> wait can't wait can't can't wait for that tunnel. But yeah, um, positives. I mean, like wrestling is all about the people you meet at the end of the day. When you when you kind of when you get into yeah. it, and that weekend was it, the weekends are just. I mean, speaking from experience of one, you've been to a few, but the the best show I've been to is Ambition. One of the best shows I've ever been to. Talk to me about mm-hmm. those. Talk to me first of all because they they were on the one. If they we are in lockdown, it's good to extract positives from negative situations and seeing people like Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs on the progress show because they are just two fantastic wrestlers and fantastic lads as well what was it like, like the first match that just blew my mind was that ambition match like you've seen you, you've probably seen them in the uh, Tejun, Tejun hybrid oh, I can't pronounce it probably what, what were those two matches what were those two matches like and like what was it like to see like because I, I know I know the Ogdens are proud of their boys, but what was it like seeing like two two of your own basically just go out and beat the shit out of each other? Yeah, the Ogdens were like proud dads, you know, over in Germany. Like I genuinely like I'm sure he won't mind me saying Jeff had a tear in his eye watching Luke Jacobs and, and Ethan Allen come out. So I think I maybe did a little bit as well, and I'm nowhere near as invested. Um yeah, it's funny that too. I used to write the the one to watch article for Fighting Spirit magazine, or at least, you know, towards the end of it, I did most of the months. Um, and Luke, Luke Jacobs and Ethan Allen were my next pitch for that, that, that magazine went out of business. Mainly out of, a lot of it was where the mouth from people I know in the Northwest wrestling scene, but where the mouth of the Ogdens. Um, you know, if, if the Ogdens get behind someone at that early stage, you should listen. Uh, they are the kings of the undergraps. They know their stuff. Um, so yeah, did see them work at Tetsujin and work that match that I think got them. In fact, did get them at the WXW. Yeah, Tass was there. Yeah. Tass was young. Yeah, it was, it was the referee uh, for that match in Manchester. I think he just was like, yep, these two need to come with me. Um, and that was incredible. Yeah, just two young lads who just go out there and just, yeah, they hit hard. They're every they're clearly influenced by Chris Ridgway, you know, who, who's tucked them under the wing a little bit, but they're also clearly influenced by, you know, all the right um, stuff and the, the classic stuff in in this kind of shoot style. So the perfect fits. Um, and yeah, Tetsuja match was incredible. And yeah, getting to see them doing in Germany. Because um, that was the thing about Ambition. It was weird. It was like, it was two two stories, really. Two matches, you know, that them two being the young lads and 
and I'm sure we'll mention the the, the two lads in the, in the super fighter, Akeda and Ishikawa as well, kind of the oh. upper, opposite age of the age spectrum. Like yeah. it was so interesting comparing those two matches, you know, two young lads versus uh, two older uh, fellas. And they were, they were, to be honest, I'd say they were the highlights of the weekend, those two matches. And yeah, being on a card with two legends of the style like that, I don't think we Jacobs and Ethan Allen were showing up at all. Maybe they didn't go as hard as they did in Tetsujin, you know, being new to promotion, maybe they held back a little bit, but they, I think they made Germany and the whole world wake up to, you know, how good they are. And they were no longer the, uh, the northwest of England's uh, little uh, hidden secret after that weekend. Yeah, no, probably because they had a match the next day as well. They didn't want to kill, kill each other. But uh, they, they, <laughs> if WXW had any sense, they would have booked them against Ikeda and Ishikawa the next day. I think that would have been insane. Oh, yeah. that's the match, yeah. That oh, that oh. would that would have just been amazing. That I I just clicked. I know they wanted a tag belt and they had that whole crazy thing on night two. But um, yeah, we had like Ridgeway knocking Speedball out with just a kick in the head. I think it was just a really cool event and just something different from the whole kind of storyline stuff. It was just two people going out and kicking the shit out of each other. But yeah, um, Ishikawa, <laughs> Ishikawa and Ikeda, Um We knew they were going to go hard, but there was a moment in that match, and I can't remember. It must have been just the first legitimate punch because they were going hard, but then there was just one punch. I think I remember like a quarter way into the match, there was just a punch where uh, one of them landed a, just a right hand, like right on the jaw, and everyone's like, oh, this isn't a wrestling match. And then it, come and it built up to that head to running head, but and then the spin kick. What was it like for you? You were up at the top. I remember you're, you're, you, and, you, you and Will up at the top. What was it like looking down on the madness that was just... Because it wasn't like we knew this was going to happen. It was a gradual, oh, shit, <laughs> this is happening. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, Will up there, like the uh, the emperor sat on his throne. Um, yeah, we had the best view in the house for, for this match, like up top. Um, yeah, it was... I mean, I think you're... Again, you know, I'm, I'm aware of the style and aware of like their status as legends, but I'm not going to say, you know, I've seen their entire back catalog catalog gets built up as a a super fight, and you know, it's one where it's too old. All the fellas in a match, but you're right, they just they pull back the years, and yeah, there was a point in the match where they were both just like swinging for the fences, and just there was just a couple of like rough looking punches to the head. It was that headbutt, like you say, that it was like a running headbutt. I think it was Ishikawa. Um, yeah. No, it was a Kada. It was a oh, Kada. Yeah. Um, and that was like a standard ovation. I remember that distinctly. Oh, um, that yeah. was the moment. That was the moment where it was like, okay, this is a spectacle. This is a real match. Yeah, this this is what we came for. I think that was the moment where everyone's hung, uh, hangover from the previous day, like the, the night one hangover, just like kind of shook and everyone was ready for night two and what was the kind of like, just mm. kind of shook everyone into action. And um, kind of Daniel Maccabe winning as well. Are you a fan of Mr. Maccabe and kind of the whole thing? I like the whole thing. He, he's very good at getting people behind them with the kind of the shirts. And obviously the Ireland shirt that came out at the end was a was a good moment. What what, what were your thoughts on Maccabe winning? And do you think there's once wrestling comes back in whatever capacity, do you think Maccabe has a big has a big say in the professional wrestling scene? I think so. He was, you know, impressing all the right people and kind of getting a bit of underground buzz. Um it's hard to say it now, but you know the expectation was probably you know OTT or something at, at some point, and you know uh, he, he was getting big cheers, like you say, from the Irish contingent because he was wearing an uh, an Irish football uh, jersey there as well. Um, yeah, he's someone whose style isn't you know it's not going to be for everyone. It's a it's a Jamesy special to uh, to name another one of my uh, my ex podcast hosts. He is very much kind of like that that style of you know grappling. Um, there isn't going to be interesting to everyone but he felt like a cult hero that weekend both 
wasn't just the Irish fans either or the Brits. It was the German crowds. I think that you can tell they kind of started to love him over the weekend. And he was like, okay, he's not on he's not on Tim Thatcher's level. No one's on Tim Thatcher Tim Thatcher's level. It felt like he could be, you know, that kind of cult hero. Um in Germany at least going forward, you know, someone who's got like full commitment to, to that style. Um yeah, that's that's what it felt like to me. It felt like Eddie was was on the on the, the verge of something and he is a wrestler like Tim Thatcher, where I think he's going to do better in Europe than maybe he will in America. Yeah, um, and then we, uh, if Alan Farrell is listening to this, we apologise for the next question, but um, what were your thoughts on the whole, uh, the the Mexican standing ovation, the money thrown in the ring with the speedball and speedball and bandito? I don't want to watch it back, you know, because like we we talked it on Grapple Match of the Year, and Gareth was not a fan, <laughs> um, and I I had a great time watching it live, yeah. um, as I'm sure you did. You know, big spot matches like that are always ten times better live because you just you're into it, you're popping at the big spot. You've a big spot happens, and you immediately forget what happened in the last five minutes because you're so pumped and you're so into it. I don't think live, I think live bias is a real thing. Oh man, um, it was kind of so like the- there's an element. Yeah, a few lag, few laggers. It was, it was a few laggers in, and you were getting ready for the the after party, and you were kind of like you were getting up there. There was the main event, of course, which has sadly been mm-hmm. sadly been spoiled. But there were, the, the the atmosphere was building, and then the the, the money came out of nowhere. But um, speedball is an interesting one because I'm a big speedball fan. Everyone knows that. Um, I I don't know where he, he obviously his ban in America has come to an end. I the only place I I can see him going to AW, and he's. He's doing that. He's doing the right thing. He's on Twitch. He's kind of building himself kind of a brand that's not just associated with the kind of just the wrestling. He's kind of building himself into a brand which he didn't really have before because of his restrictions. Where do you see him going? Like it's it's between Ring of Honor and AEW for me. Maybe you have, or, or maybe just sticking in Japan. But maybe you have something else that might might suit him better. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ring of Honor used him when he was over in the UK. So I think that'd be a pretty safe bet to be honest. I can picture him in AEW. Don't get me wrong. I can picture him, especially like he's better than this, but I can picture him just turning up on Dark one week out of nowhere. And we're all we're all like, oh my God, that's Speedball Mike Bailey. He's on Dark. He's so good though. Like he's he's yeah. a he's the perfect live wrestler. Like you, you know what? To answer your question from the top, my brother was a big wrestling fan when we were kids, isn't so much anymore. And towards the end, I, I was taking him to progress shows just for the atmosphere. Um, and he was just coming for the day out more than anything. And Speedball was one of the wrestlers he gravitated towards because there is something, you know, you get the gimmick straight away. It's like, oh, cool. Yeah, he's got like a, a karate type of gimmick and he hits hard. And wrestlers like that are always better live. Um, yeah. So, yeah, the, he, I feel like he became like, I almost wish British and Irish companies were using him more because um, we had that opportunity to. And now once wrestling does come back, yeah, he's going to get snapped up. Um, I think the, the smart money here is, is Ring of Honor. I prefer to see him in AEW because I think he could do something there. But yeah, I could, I could see them offering him a contract and him being one of those types of guys who absolutely should take it. Yeah, I can see him in the pure, like to be honest, the pure division in Ring of Honor. I'll, 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 I'll back the pure division currently. The product is very good. I really do enjoy it. I think they're doing a lot of good stuff. They probably presented non wrestling, uh, no fans wrestling uh, as best as they can because obviously AEW have fans, but the no fans wrestling, I think they're doing a fantastic job with the kind of empty arena and kind of just the pure pure division so i think he'd do well there but i mean he can dip his toe in anywhere it seems like everyone's kind of working together at the moment so he can there's not really a there's not really a kind of a a need to kind of commit to one he can kind of dip in between the two but um well i hope you're enjoying the show so far whatever it may be a weekly podcast an interview a collab maybe a project it's special like it's coming up soon but before we go on i want to tell you about our sponsor it's a bit crazy but support for today's show is brought to you by manscaped 
the best in below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision, precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They are trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all the below your waist grooming needs. They're fantastic. And they just launched in Ireland, Karen. How cool is that? Like that we are kind of one of the first to kind of get our hands on the products when they've just launched in Ireland. It's the coolest. And we've wanted them here for a long time, to be fair. And um, you hear about them all over the world. Every podcast is sponsored by them. And we finally got to try out their products. Yeah, and they are fantastic. Uh, they're nothing short of fantastic. Uh, so you can be one of the first men in Ireland. Me and Kieran are, are lucky to be part of that group when you guys can join us. Uh, we will give, as, as of course, we will give you the code at the end. But yeah, um, I mean, below the waist grooming is something that's like kind of no, known, but no, no one talks about it, but it's known to be very difficult with conventional razors. You get a lot of issues when you're using conventional razor down there because it's not like shaving your face. It's very, very different. Um, and Manscaped has basically revolutionized that and fixed that. Um, I've had issues with conventional razors and it's great to, I, 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 great to have this red, easy below the waist trimming tool. Um, so they've redesigned their electric trimmer, Kieran, as if they couldn't get better. They've um, just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 and I got my hand and we both have our hands on it and it is fantastic in every way. The, the, the grip is fantastic. The razor is fantastic, isn't it? It's so good. It's surprisingly good. We got the performance package, um, which is just like, it's a premium product. It's surprisingly good and worth every fucking cent, in my opinion, at least. It's really well presented. The actual lawnmower 3.0 itself is really good. I tried it out last night, if I do say so myself. Really <laughs> um, great grip. There's an LED light on it to help you with like precision grooming it illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming you can see every twist and turn around your balls it's it's excellent it's one of the coolest features yeah and if, if you're like me who shaves in the dark sorry not shaving there just showers in the dark and i might not shave in the dark but if i if i am having a shower in the dark then the led does help in that way as well because it is a really cool led light and it's very very strong um yeah the like premium product like when we say premium we're not like just saying that like the battery lasts up to 90 minutes which is fantastic a lot of the problems with some some other electric razors that people try to brought out is the battery life. Um, it, there's an easy charger port, as me and Karen have. You just plug it into your USB, into mm. your wall, and you just stick it in. It's like basically the same electric system as your electric toothbrush. It's got like a little charger port, and you just stick it in. Um, the third generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents with the skin-safe technology, so it is, protects you at all times. And the waterproof technology is helpful as well, because as, as we've said, you do it in the shower. You are grooming in the shower you wouldn't be doing it like your normal shave at the sink one of the and then obviously kieran's mentioned the led light which i, I really really love as well um and if you're listening to us speak right now we want you to experience the first time for yourself and as manscaped said as we are an irish podcast to make every day feel like saint paddy's day for your balls with manscaped and as the box said your balls will thank you and as we said we have a code so you can get 20% off and free shipping. And Kieran, before I go on with the code, I think free shipping is huge. Uh, the addition of free shipping is very generous because as it is an American product and coming over overseas, shipping overseas to Ireland is huge. So the free shipping to, to include it with the 20% off is fantastic. Yeah, it's a fantastic code. And like shipping is always the thing that for me, anytime I'm buying an American product, has kind of held it back. So this code giving you free shipping is, I don't know, Use it. It is take advantage of this because it's a great offer. It's a great deal. Plus 20% off the actual thing itself, which is crazy. Yeah. So let's not beat around the bush. No pun intended. But get 20% off. <laughs> get 20% off 
plus free shipping with code HALLWAY. That's H-A-L-L-W-A-Y, all capitals, at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with code HALLWAY at manscaped.com. I'll say it again. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com using the code HALLWAY. Use the right tools for your job. Trim your pants, potatoes, and your balls will thank you. Let's get on with the episode. Please enjoy. And as, as we said, enjoy the products and hopefully uh, we'll see you soon. You mentioned uh, a name there, uh, Jacoby, and um, obviously I've heard a lot from the grapevine of like how big the, how imp- big this guy's influence was on European wrestling. You can see it from the outside. What was the kind of the big the big thing that made Jacoby and his booking what it was, and what was the what how, just just to put in perspective how big his loss was when he finally like stepped away and how the the product not dropped off, but kind of in comparison to what Jacoby's booking was like, it, it kind of felt like the end of an era. What, what was that like as someone who's, because I, I I wasn't a fan in the pre-Jacoby era and during the Jacoby era, sadly, but what was it like when you, when that moment happened? Um, I mean, I suppose, you know, not all book, all bookers are going to flame out eventually, you know? Um, and, you know, the, the story was that he did, you know, kind of was overworked and was done. And I can understand why, because he put so much of himself into, into WXW. It's kind of that that commitment to to telling longer term stories. That commitment to, and the you know the meme is always you know not getting your ice pudding. Um, <laughs> you know it's <laughs> it's it's you don't always get your happy ending. And there's been sad endings at the end of you know Jacoby book shows. You know there's been titled your favorite doesn't win the title match. Your favorite doesn't win the tournament, but he comes back next year. Um, you know. He, Ilya and Walter, for example, you know, there's a lot of like things like that where there's like seeds planted and there's investment for following the product long term, investment for paying attention to even stupid things like the shotgun TV show, which was very popular, Um, at least in our bubble. I don't believe it did great numbers, which is probably one of the reasons it initially got canned. But, you know, things like that and attention to that level of detail, I think it was quite clearly apparent while the lads who took over before him and it seems to be a committee rather than one individual tried their best such a clear gaping hole these last this last couple of years or so where you know that that attention to detail and storytelling isn't so good we made the joke of it but you know lucky kid yeah win 16 carat then what nothing then he's metihan and like you know that's one of the ones where the pandemic if anything you know saved us from a you know, a really bad looking story that they were trying to tell with him that was just really advised considering how beloved of the, of the baby face he was when he won Carrot. And it's that kind of follow through, I think, that, that, that we lost and that kind of like not just booking for the moment and the big weekend, but booking for the long term and telling longer term stories. Yeah, I made the joke that they dropped Lucky Kid because he wasn't so lucky anymore on his way to NXT UK, but we digress, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we digress, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it was it's 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 great. Like yeah, that long term story time that they, they they tried to do. You can tell they were trying to emulate the Dragonov and Walter with the kind of lucky kid, and they thought they had something there, but it just wasn't the same. Like it, you can't really replicate the same story. There's very few very few moments where if you try and use the framework of a story that like I wonder what what do you think Jacoby would have done if he walked into the company and Lucky Kid was there and he was the 16 car champ. What do you think he would have done with Lucky Kid? Or what do you think that if he walked in in a mess, what do you think he would have done straight away? Apart from chew people out for how bad it was. Because <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think just not, you know, blowing them down the cards and made them 
insignificant by the time the next carrot year came out not done an angle where you know he was distracted by his own logo <laughs> you know those those little things might be solutions i think overall though it's i will i do wonder sometimes you know as as you know non-german natives do we fantasize about the bxw we put it on a pedestal that maybe we give it because we have these great hot we basically have great holidays a couple of times a year don't we Yep. And we put it on this pedestal as this as this pure thing, and we'd say, "Oh, Jacoby would never, he'd never have Karanoa go over. He'd never have, you know, Alexander Wolf come back to 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 Germany two years in a row and be this conquering hero. He'd be more like us. He'd be more booking the indie guys. He he must have a moral objection to the WWE stuff. Well, you hear bits like that, but we don't know that for certain. Um, it would be it would be a challenge for, for for somebody like him if we believe those things about him to, to cope." with the WWE invasion um, to, to cope with the fact that you've got another master to potentially serve when it comes to getting product on the WWE network and, you know, all the things that, that come along with that. Would he be able to have keep the independent spirit we maybe imagine um, he has about WXW? Uh, it might not have been as, as picturesque as maybe we hope it would be. Yeah, uh, well, if I dip my toe into the WXW media, I'll definitely ask that lucky kid question before you next. <laughs> if we if Please we do. ever get, if we ever get go if we ever get to go back to Oberhausen, which I hope we do because it's all about that weekend. But um, yeah. two words or names: Barnett Moxley. It's finally happening. You watched? I saw your you were tweeting about Bloodsport. I haven't gone mm-hmm. around to watching them in full. I've watched highlights, but Barnett Moxley is the only reason the only small reason why I am not objecting to the super spreader that's going on at COVID menu, like <laughs> WrestleMania weekend. If they just give me Barnett Moxley and if that gets cancelled due to COVID or whatever, I will snap again because it's 18 months in the making. They, we were wondering why David Boy Smith was fighting Moxley. I think it was just a name to put in there to kind of set up for this Barnett Moxley match. Are you, are you, you, you seem quite excited judging by your Twitter. I'm, I'm very excited for Barnett Moxley. Yeah, that's that. There's just something about Moxley. I think you'll you'll love it when you finally get to see it because Moxley is just—he's a man who just—he's doing what he wants. He is absolutely easily he's, like, he's the gift that keeps on giving. As far as his exit from WWE goes, he just—you can tell—he's having the time of his life oh. out there. He goes goes out, works for Bloodsport one weekend, New Japan the other weekend, AEW, and then he goes home to his wife. Uh, he's a he's a happy man, and it comes across in everything he does. He gets, his wife's amazing. The podcast Renee's doing at the moment is great. She's getting some really good guests on it. It's a really, really, really good angles to like getting Tony Khan on and stuff like that. But I fear mm. for I fear for her because we'll get on to AEW in a while. But it's like <laughs> right paternity leave, uh, babe. If you want me at home for this for this thing, I'm going to fight one of the best UFC fighters of all time in a, in a UFC match, and then I'm going to fight an exploding barbed wire death match. So, I mean, if, <laughs> I mean, like you, you know, you, it's two sides of the coin. But like this blood sport match is like if we're talking Ishikawa, I, I like like a Kade Ishikawa. This is up there. This is even probably exceeding it as well because these lads, you can tell Moxley. I hate the Moxley hairs are like oh he's just a knockoff Stone Cold because people just don't get the character. This man is. You, t- you can hear in the post-match press conferences he does, he's taking things from like the UFC and, and like Chael Sonnen with the Eddie Kingston storyline. He's really, really passionate about it. And people just don't get the intricacies where they just see the kind of coming out from the crowd and just like no fucks given. And they go, oh, Stone Cold. Whereas like, if you look at it deeper, he's just, he's just, he's fantastic. And like the, just the realism that he brings to it. Cause you can tell he, when he's doing those strike exchanges, he's not just saying any, ran- any random shit. He's saying, hit me fucking hard, and I cannot wait for this. Like, 
yeah, he loves he loves this stuff. He does. Um, I think that's what's happening. I think he's get he's got to get written off. Um, you know, with Renee being pregnant, I think he he loses the uh, the, the exploding barbed wire match, and I think he gets battered by by uh, by Josh Barnett. And you know, Josh Barnett's booking it, so that's going to happen. Josh Barnett is not losing to a a fake pro wrestler, uh, which is probably the reason. Well, one of the reasons, not not all of them, this match has been delayed so long. Um, but yeah, yeah, Renee watching at home is probably going to be wincing for for both of those matches. Maybe one more than the other. Uh, but yeah, I think that's the way it's headed. But I am hyped. I'm really hyped. Uh, I, I, Josh Barnett doesn't hugely interest me, if I'm honest. Um, I find, but as a but as a as a as a big match as one that's been delayed so often as it has. Um, I, I think it's going to deliver. You know, Josh Barnett and Minoru Suzuki delivered as well uh, in this setting. Um, so I'm expecting the same thing, but I just love those blood sports shows. I just love watching them along with like the, the timeline line on live on Twitter going crazy for them. The presentation they've got down perfectly now with the, you know, the smoky setting with the neon lights and, you know, the, the hard nose more sports aspect to it. It's a it's a type of wrestling, to be honest. We're not having a crowd, doesn't affect it one bit. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, it, it, it almost enhances it because it is the sound. You want to yeah. hear that sound. UFC is the same. UFC is the same, and it, yeah, it's got it's got a lot in common with that. Um, obviously, yeah, we're expecting crowds mainly weekend. Like you say, I'll be a hypocrite with you. Um, you know, I was one of the biggest uh, people, you know, deriding British companies or the. There's companies. my brother. My brother's just made a run. Oh, in. I <laughs> what you want? What you want? Laptop. Laptop is out there on the stairs. There, lads. A <laughs> little bit of a John Moxley run in, lads. Run in for no reason for the there's for the, the next Moxley generation. Coach. The next generation. Yeah, Jesus. God bless my mother. God bless my mother if he gets into wrestling. But yeah, <laughs> show him some. Uh, yeah, show him some blood spot wrestling. Anyway, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, but yeah, I'm, I'm the I'm the same as you. Yeah, I'm like I, I'm someone who just I'm excited for it. I've got moral objections for it, but I'll be there covering it with the rest of everyone else. Yeah, you got a lovely setup. We saw it on Twitter. The walls, the walls, the project projector setup looks looks very, very <laughs> looks very, very sweet. I'm very jealous of that. But um need it for the split screen WrestleMania weekend. Oh man, yeah, hundred percent. Um, but um yeah, uh let's just hope the blood sport bubble doesn't burst when the Barnett decides spring Enzo in and Simon got Simon Grimm shoots on him because you know <laughs> he's been know. threatening it for years on YouTube, mate. So yeah, oh, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the I hate the fact that that video keeps showing up. Like it's not even it's it that is the algorithm breaker. Like YouTube, it YouTube, YouTube doesn't know what a monster it has. Like this, this video is gonna just plague people forever. Um, mm. but yeah, we're talking about that exploding barbed wire that match. That just I'm looking uh, AEW is streets ahead of NXT, and I'll say it now. Apart from the odd main event storyline. And Finn Balor dragging NXT up by its arse. I really, I'm really, NXT has been going downhill for a while, but AEW, I don't think people realize how good AEW has been in the pandemic era. In the main, Hangman is the best thing in wrestling. I'm convinced this is building to one of the best things and my best storylines in wrestling in a long time. But what we're talking about, Ken, Kenny and the, and the exploding barbed wire that match, that just came out of nowhere. And people were like, oh, wait. Didn't they get fined 10 grand? Oh, wait, it's Florida. Never mind. That's why they're doing it. What, what, what are your experiences of exploding bar bar debt matches? And obviously, Moxie's going to call out. It's going to be like 12 detonators on each. What, I, I'm buzzing for this. I don't care if people are objecting to it. I can't wait. Yeah, you, you know me. Like, I'm a 
GCW fan will watch that matches anytime. So I've definitely got no moral objection to it. Um, going to the well again, Moxley Kenny maybe doesn't excite me hugely. I'm waiting for this to grab me because it should. It's got all uh, the, the elements that should excite me. Moxley in a death match scenario and exploding barbed wire. I'm sure I'll be with everyone by the time the show happens. Uh, they'll drag me cricket and screaming in. Um, as far as seeing matches that style, yeah, you know, I'm one of the people who you know, wasn't hugely into tape trading, but you know, like everyone back then, I had the IWA mid. The I was going to say IWA mid south then IWA king of the death matches uh, from Japan. Um, you know, with you know the one that Foley talks about in his first book with with, with Terry Funk and you know the, the I had a you know a, a, a Onita comp like everyone else did. You know, I went through a phase of uh, loving him in his white vest and his blue jeans. Um, you know, so I wasn't. I'm not. I've got friends who are much more hardcore into that style than me. But it's definitely something I was aware of, and I went through a period of being like, oh yeah, this this stuff's cool. There's ex- exploding things and, and barbed wire, and it's real. Um, but yeah, for for me. They've got. They're gonna have to live up to that. Yeah. They're gonna have to live up to, to you know the matches we've seen in Japan. You know, with the men and the women, um, they're gonna have to deliver something because they've set the bar so high now. The fact that they're even doing this match in a major wrestling company in the US is absolutely crazy. Um, but they are, and you know they haven't called it a hardcore match. They haven't even called it a death match. They've called it what it is—an exploding barbed wire match. So. You know Moxley's going to want to prove himself. You know Kenny's up for absolutely anything. So yeah, I think they're going to go for, and I'm I'm certain they're not going to disappoint. No, I'm I'm, I'm going to kind of push this. So I'm going to release this before Revolution. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll 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 know by the time um, by the time if people are listening to this, we'll know by the time if they knocked it out of the park. But um, <laughs> but um, the thing with this match is, I I think the main thing with Moxley is, I think he can do the kind of. The thing with this exploding barbed wire that match is if they touch the ropes, it explodes. I think Moxley is vital in this match because he is very fantastic at center of the ring work. Whereas, like, mm. whereas you couldn't do this match with someone who hits the ropes a lot, but I think Moxley is vital in this match because his kind of the old moments that people are like, oh, they're just gonna like tease it and kind of the teases are stupid after a while and they're building up to a crescendo of this thing exploding. I think Moxley, the MMA style as we've discussed, is just perfect because he's gonna be able to like have a fight as opposed to just a oh no this is we're about mm. to hit into the ropes um interesting very... yeah 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 I, th- I think i think you're right i think moxley will fit this style but again when's when's he let down in this style like there's times when he's gone to new japan and he starts getting the weapons out and it's oh, come on mate this is new japan now i know ghetto has kind of you know introduced a lot of american elements these last few years but i almost kind of roll my eyes when those types of matches start with moxley did they ever not deliver though? Like he's so good. Even that tag that was on Dynamite the other week, he is so good at oh. any kind of style involving weapons or violence. He'll be in his element. He'll be in. He'll be wearing that white vest and blue jeans. He'll be. He'll be going for it. Yeah, um, and, he, yeah, and, and that, that vest will be red by the end. And he has sex in the morning because it sets him up for the day. And that's what we, and that, <laughs> just fucking brilliant. Yeah, things we learn. Those, things we learn on that podcast. Oh, <laughs> just absolutely. Oh, that podcast, the Valentine's Day one, where he's just like, I've got. I I, I played the perfect game. I don't need. I'm, I'm the king. I'm the king of Valentine. But yeah, I do want to get your thoughts on um, Hangman because from the start to finish, this has been. I read an article about the kind of the, the, he portrays mental health perfectly from start to finish. The, the the being the elite stuff. Even if you if people are watching, like oh, well, I don't want to watch being the elite. They've clipped all the dark order stuff into like videos and kind of it's 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 out there. The dark the, the being the elite stuff plus the on screen stuff and the Mahardy stuff, which is keeping them away just 
bubbling below the main event scene. It's booked perfectly. I, 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 this is this has the potential to be one of the best long term storytelling kind of stories of the of the decade if 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 they keep it going the way it is. I was just wondering what your thoughts were on the whole thing. Yeah, it's um, it's organic. Is is the word? Um, you know, Gareth will keep me in line on grapple sometimes because I'll be shouting, "Go! Why? Why is Phoenix not a main eventer in in, in AEW already? Why are we not already? Yeah. I'll still I'll still fight that corner." Gareth will always say, "You know, let you know let things build organically. You know, we're, we're so used to it. We're so used to the WWE and the way they do things there that it almost becomes an expectation for you know Western wrestling companies." And I think with Moxley, it's kind of the same thing. Like, sorry, not Moxley, but Hangman. It's kind of the same thing. Like, remember when they tried to push push him right out the gate? Roman Reigns was the word. Roman Reigns. Yeah. They, like... Roman, they Roman Reigns them. Yeah, they, they tried to push him down people's throats and it, he didn't get, you know, rejected to that level. But it was clearly wasn't a main event act. And they moved him down the card and they let him get over organically. You know, he does the stuff with the Dark Order on being the elite. I know we haven't really properly got live crowds at shows, but you know he's a cult favorite with the hardcore AW fans just from doing that stuff. Like I say, they put him with Kenny, they kept him bubbling under with that stuff, and they've just been doing good long-term storytelling with him. Um, I think that, that's that's what it is. It's They've invested time and care in how they use him. Um, he's not just thrown out on a random episode of Dynamite to lose to Cody Rhodes or something. You know, he's he's taken care of. He's one of the wrestlers. They they keep a close eye on what they do with him, and I think yeah, the, the chickens are coming around for roost in a, in a positive way. I think they're they're going to get a reward back on their investment because um, he's going to be the biggest babyface in the company. Oh man, I just can't wait for that moment. I'm I, it's going to happen when if they if they pull it if they can push it out to when crowds come back. If if they can't, then sometimes you just got to pull the plug, which they seem to have been doing a little bit. But the moment when Hangman kicks out a one-winged angel, I know the story is he, I, he, Kenny, someone's already kicked out a one-winged angel, but in people's minds, he hasn't. If Hangman Page kicks out a one-winged angel at 2.9, Buckshot Lariat's Kenny out of his shoes and wins the belt, oh. it, it would be the be- one of the biggest pops in a long time because we missed that wrestling pop. Like there is, like even with WWE, when there's full crowds, there just isn't a pop anymore. Like I, I, I don't get it. I, I really don't. Like I, I, I've lived through the the no pop WWE era, and I, and I'm like, like the Stone Cold pop. I think that could genuinely be, like mm-hmm. AEW brought that back for me with a bit of the Cody stuff and the mock the Moxley pop when he debuted. I think this yeah. could blow blow the roof off the place. What, what, what are your thoughts on that kind of like the? The missing pop that we've that we've missed for so long with wrestling, even with crowds, and how this could bring it, this could bring it right back. Yeah, it's a lack of emotional investment. It's it's Roman Reigns, as you say. It's not Roman's fault, but it's the whole Roman Reigns fiasco in WWE and the John Cena, you know, John Cena's push had had similar issues, all nowhere near as I don't think as, as pronounced as the Roman issue was. WWE spent so long pushing back on their hardcore fans that why would people be invested? You are actively punished for paying attention to WWE. If you remember things that happened a couple of months before, like it just it makes you enjoy it less, not more. Um, you know, every possible combination of matches, to be honest, has already been done on a rando SmackDown or a rando Raw. Why would you care when they put that same combination back together a year later? There's no reward for paying attention and caring about character motivation or any of the individuals behind these characters in wwe and yeah that, i think that's a big part of, of why you don't get that visceral reaction on wwe shows anymore you know how many years did they train us that that night after wrestlemania raw crowd were wrong 
that this was just bizarro world. These aren't our real fans. You're our real fans, imaginary people at home. <laughs> you know, this does not reflect the WWE universe. And they push back against their own hardcore fan base for so long that, like, yeah, why would anyone be invested in a three-hour shower of rubbish that we get uh, every Monday night? I watch it through um, YouTube clips now. Uh, even though I'm podcast. I don't I'll even be, do that I'll, anymore. I'll be open and honest. I'll, I'll watch the odd YouTube. I honestly, the odd YouTube I'm not watching Lana and Nia Jax <laughs> fight each other. No matter how much Dude, time. I'm the same way. Like, yeah. I, like people think this podcast is we. We like sieve through every match and watch everyone. No, no, I can't do that. I mean, sometimes even NXT is getting away from me. I watch the main events and stuff like that, but I can't watch some of the mid card fodder that's just happening there. I love Kyle O'Reilly. I'll back Kyle O'Reilly to the moon, and I think he's him and Finn Balor and Pete, maybe Pete Dunne in the last few weeks mm. have saved NXT. And then mm. G- you wax lyrical about GYV and the Rascals. Mm. I think that was fantastic as well. But that's only a flash in the pan. Like that's in terms of their tag division yeah. side. Totally, I, I I will, I'll say it all the time. I, you know, similar to you, host the host the wrestling podcast where we try and cover the entire world, uh, or you know, the the hardcore fan section of the world. Um, but like, we don't. We record on a Monday night. <laughs> we record, and we're often still going during Raw. You couldn't get away with that a few years ago. Like Raw was the primary, you know, Tuesday morning was when all your podcasts came on because they were all reviewing Raw because it's the biggest TV show, the biggest wrestling company in the world. We don't even talk about it. We don't even worry about it is the biggest thing. We get we get up on Tuesday morning, the podcasts and everyone's feeds. And there is, even if we've reviewed the WWE pay-per-view that took place on Sunday, there's going to be nothing game-changing on Raw that yeah. makes a difference to whether the, the content is, you know, is still up to date or not. It's meaningless. It doesn't matter. And I'm, I'm past that point, to be honest. I used to be the guy who used the YouTube highlights. Don't do that. If, if anything, maybe if there's sort of GIF on Twitter that interested me, I'll click on that. But I just don't care. I genuinely can't yeah, remember the last. I genuinely can't remember the last big moment I had on Raw. Like I genuinely no. can't. That, that I was invested in SmackDown. I I, I am a fan of the Roman Reigns storyline. Like it's. It, 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 I I am a big fan. And Cesaro and Brian and the matches that I I I I'm a big believer in Sami Zayn's. I think Sami Zayn's character is is underappreciated. I think one of the best matches last year was that triple threat ladder match that they had a um with Jeff Hardy yeah. and thing. I think that was one of one of the best heel performances of the year last year with that whole. You look at the, I've said this before, but you the last moment is Sami Zayn with the bell and then looks back and AJ Styles has that what the fuck just happened to me face where like, it's just, like, so there is good things in WWE, but. I, I, yeah, I would, I, would, I would echo that. Like I, at the moment, and by the time this comes out, it might've changed. I am watching SmackDown because you're right. I enjoy Roman Reigns' work. I enjoy Daniel Bryan having the run of the place and getting to work Cesaro every week. I'm not invested in it though. Because I sit there with, with my finger on the fast forward button knowing that in three weeks' time, things could entirely change, and I won't even be interested in that anymore. Like, yeah, yeah this is, yeah, yeah, you can't yeah. trust them. Yeah, because Bianca, we were like, oh, yeah, Bianca, this is amazing. And then they put her in a tag title match with the person she's meant to be challenging for the belt at Mania. Like, how are you meant to invest in stuff like that when you can't, like, yeah, anyway. But the last thing I want to ask you about, we, we, I'll definitely have you back on and we'll definitely chat again. But the last thing I want yeah. to talk to you about, and people are going to be like, oh, Rain's going on about this again, but I wanted to get your opinions because I, I heard your rant about Gargano. Um, and I completely, I completely agree. When I was listening to that, I was like, "Thank God, someone thinks that this Jericho." I hate. I, I can't stand Chris Jericho in twenty twenty one. It's, it's, it's. Oh, we didn't it, say that when Steph was on. I, I, I oh, <laughs> man, man I, listen. I know, but I have to stand by. <laughs> I have to stand by my. Ever since the Orange Cassidy match, where Orange Cassidy was meant to go over and the mouse trap botched. He has just gone slowly downhill for me ever since. I know he's 50, 
and I know, he, but he, but the Grey Goose sponsorship has taken over, mm. and the character work, which was once great, and it was great during probably the Orange Cassidy stuff was the last time I really was invested in it. It's gotten too much. I just can't stand. I just can't stand. He need him and Gargano need to take six months off minimum. <laughs> just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when they come back, don't come back to NXT. It's the thing that they are. I mean, NXT has lost its cool factor. Like you say, you don't, you don't keep up with it every Wednesday anymore. Neither do I. Um, it's lost its cool factor. And I think AW is a big part of that. I think the the move to USA is a big part of that. I think just generally it's not as interesting. Generally, there aren't as interesting people coming in. You see that by all the basic XTNA guys. LA. <laughs> yeah, that's his name in LA night, like the like the trainers. Um, yeah, and it's it's that, but also it's lack of investment in in those type in those guys. Like I will say, we could be wrong here. It could just be us. Maybe maybe we are the oh, problem. Yeah. Maybe we're there are people out there who love Gargano and love Chamber, love that style. Think all oh, that. Sorry, I love you. Shawn Michaels knockoff, shock face at the camera. Can't believe he kicked out stuff. Looking at my hands, yeah, like you say, people love that stuff, and people are really highly respect love that stuff, which is another reason I think I might be wrong. And you know, we had that match, didn't we, on the last takeover, Gargano with Kushida, where a lot of people that I follow and again respect were like, "Oh no, that was better than his recent stuff because he wasn't doing all the over dramatics and he it was wasn't a bit- doing all that." It was the best Gargano match. It was the best Gargano match since the first Champa and Gargano, but that's not saying a lot. Sad, that's the thing. Sadly, that's... like it, I, I, in ring, great. But Kushida in, I hate this. It happens all the time when someone gets into a street fight. They just adopt this persona where they've got jeans and a tank top on, <laughs> and Kushida decided to wear this jeans and a tank top. But yeah, Gargano just we're going to Jericho, but Gargano just doesn't. The way is, I don't know, if it's Austin Theory or just. It's, it's the way it, they've used him too. It, it's the fact that he's gone back and forth, face heel. He's been in NXT forever because they can't put him on the main roster because because Vince is going to look at him and go, "What's this, a child?" And he has done that before and used him terribly. And he's gone back to NXT and he's stale and he's done every possible act. And he's also flip flopped so so much from babyface or heel. I can't get invested in him. So even even when he's out there having a match that people race like that Kushida match and say it's different, I can't get invested. I just don't care. I don't no. care about Johnny Gargano. No, and then, listen, when Santana and Ortiz are going out every so often, and sadly it's every so often, and proving that they are one of the best tag teams in the world, and you've literally, like, having Jericho and MJF as a tag team was bad enough, but then putting a label on them as the official inner circle tag team is the biggest form of burial for, and to have it in the form of, I, I I'm te- I, 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 I'm going out on a limb here, but I'd be tempted to skip the or just go for a piss during the Young Bucks and Jericho, Jericho and MJF. Like I genuinely can't invest in, <laughs> I can't invest in that match. Like character work, MJF is great in ring. I could, I, I could, I could miss a match or two, but Jericho is just so uninvestable right now, and just kind of some of them. He ruins a lot of moments. A lot of moments. Like I think, yeah, just I, I don't know what your opinions are. I'm going to rant forever if I get on for Jericho, but no, it's. You know, like I say, you know, I often watch Dynamite with Steph and she loves Jericho. So, you know, uh, I'll be careful with my words, but I can't stand them. <laughs> so I'm not being that careful with my words. Um, no, I, I, with him, he's just got too much power. And there's good and bad to that. Totally get why he's in the spot he is in AEW because of, you know, the star power he brings. We forget, but he gave so much credibility to AEW at the start. It was just a bunch of indie boys starting a, starting a wrestling promotion. Jericho getting signed made it legitimate. Him being the first world champion, oh, yeah. maybe the matches weren't that great. 
in my opinion, but it made them legitimate. I don't even not enjoy, you know, there are bits I do enjoy about it. The Moxley uh, story was cool with the whole kind of innocent, because he was kind of funny still then, but then it kind of, there's only so much you can do it as comedy, comedy wrestling or comedy segments have a scene. Orange Cassidy is the best example. I hated that match, the Mimosa Mayhem match. And that was a good example of what I was going to say with him in AEW. You see, Tony Khan's biggest problem as a booker, and don't get me wrong, there's loads of benefits, is he doesn't really know what to say no to the lads sometimes when the young books have a terrible idea for a librarian or, you know, Cody usually gets things right, but every now and then he gets things wrong. There's no, there's a filter, but it's not really that harsh a filter. And if Jericho says I'm having a Mimosa Mayhem match, he's having it. If Jericho says, "Oh, I want you to zoom the camera in on the, the you know the people standing in the front row singing two lines of uh, oh, two goes around it, of the chorus from a song," now they do it, they change it because Jericho wants it. You can tell there's it, so much of that. You can tell there's been an extra line added in, and Jericho's just counting the royalties in his head. He's just he's yeah. there, he's there counting the royalties in his head. Like he, he he's a businessman, and listen. I can't stand his pod. I can't stand his podcast either. There's some good episodes on there, but he is fully invested no, in. He is fully invested in this right wing conspiracy theorist. But that's another issue for another day. But um, yes. his, his ads are funny. His ads are funny. But I just, it's more a Santana and Ortiz problem because I think they are, like Santana in particular. I think Santana is a criminally underrated singles wrestler. Even I, they'll never break them up because it just it just doesn't work. But Santana is fantastic. Ortiz is the character. Like they, you showed what they did with the best friends and the thing, and to just label them as the second best tag team in a five man faction, I will, I will hold my criticism until because Sammy Guevara as a babyface coming back as a valiant babyface, whatever capacity that may be, is good. I think Jericho should be kicked out soon. I don't know how you see that inner circle stuff going. I, I couldn't invest in Jericho as a babyface, but I don't know where where to put him if he does break up or what he's gonna do. But what what are your thoughts oh. on that kind of inner circle thing? Old man Terry Funk, you know, in ECW, Chris Jericho has got some value, I think, as the babyface who gets pushed out of the inner circle by MJF, who takes over leadership. I think that's where we're going. Stick a shirt, um, stick a shirt on as well. Just, I mean, I, 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 listen, this is speaking from a guy who's gaining who's gaining weight during lockdown. I'm not fashion. I'm not. I'm not. Fa- I mean, I, I, I've I've been running five k's for the last five weeks, and I've still gained weight because I can't stop eating or drinking on the weekend. <laughs> but, and I'm 19 and I, my body's already given up on me. But, um, but um, yeah, just Jericho needs to just maybe lay off the vodka, vodka for a while. And he has the money and the access to the facilities as he kept claiming about this Dave Batista's gym in the build-up to like the the whole, like the first match and the kind of Judas effect. Chain, get, rid of the, get rid of the Judas effect and get a trainer and pay him a couple of grand to get you in good shape. I mean, for a man of his age, he's not, he's not in bad shape. No. I, I, I may push back a little bit, but yeah, I mean, he's 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 going for the beer belly brawler type, isn't he? Yeah. Um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, but he's got the money and the and the status to not really care. Um, no. He's not, you know, two hundred pounds. Um, yeah, and I, I don't know, I don't know. I, I I'll I'll take Jericho. I just think, like I say, there's too much of him on the shows. He's got a little bit too much power. I don't think he needs to be told no sometimes to an idea like this, maybe even, yeah, you know, like taking over the tag division with his story. Um, LAX, I think their time will come. Ah, yeah. I'm so glad. I, I I was so invested in whether they were going to sign for AW or WWE because they would have died a death in WWE. Maybe they oh. would have had a fun, fun NXT run, but they would have, but they have ever cracked the main roster. Or Man, I can imagine, I can imagine the kind of 
the Mexican racist undertone stories that they they would have done in that. Like they would have put them in those revival gear that like that kind of the the gear that they put out on social media, or they would have made them like. <laughs> brought El Torito back like this is not this is this is just me this isn't me just being this is me speaking from a Vince McMahon point of view which is dangerous I don't want to get into his head I'm tired enough as it is but um it doesn't do well with Puerto Ricans yeah it wouldn't it wouldn't work though you're right Um, but the thing about AEW is it's a better place for their style better place for them as an act like we said before you can't push everyone immediately no I'm hopeful that, you know, they're being kept on the back burner because that big run at the top of the tag division is coming and they're not just there to provide depth. They are going to be a star tag team because they've got it in them, like you say. Um, and we just haven't seen it yet in AW fully. Yeah, and Gareth, listen, you're, Gareth is amazing, but I am in Benno's corner here. Phoenix is... <laughs> Phoenix has proven these main events recently. He seems to just try and get further and further with these dives. And he's the star in every... The moves are just so crisp. They're amazing. I remember the final thing I'm going to say. I remember I was at OTT and the same guy who was the Misty... The guy who liked the Kabashi stuff. It was sitting beside me and it was Lucha Bros and... Lucha Bros and Ray Horace versus Morton Hype. And uh, I turned to him and, I, and and we were like, oh, these are big AEW guys. And he was like... Uh, I was like, you see that guy, Phoenix? This man sleeps with ring ropes in his bed, like just wait until you see him on the rope. And he and he was like, all right, okay, fine. He was a bit drunk, just dismissed it. Phoenix does the thing where he runs across the top rope and kicks LJ Cleary in the head. And he, and he looked at me and was like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah, like a, a baby face Phoenix versus a heel Pentagon world title storyline is money. It's yeah, it is. They are better than the sum of their parts. Anyone who watches each other around for even a minute would tell you that. Like Phoenix is an incredible babyface. And you're right, Pentagon is like a an arm-breaking character heel who does subtitle promos like he did in Impact and he did in Lucha Underground. That's where the money is with him. Instead, they've been kind of morphed together as the shindy tag team. And that's probably harsh, but they're, they're not they're not as good as a team as they are as singles acts. And I hope. I hope for our sake Gareth is right that the, you know the holding back and Phoenix is gonna they're gonna let it happen organically and then he gets his big run. But there is a part of me that just thinks this is only because Pentagon isn't around right now. And as soon as Pentagon's back, they're just gonna shove them back together again. The Lucha Brothers are back together as a tag team. Um hopefully they see the value in them two as separate guys. Because yeah, I think the sky's the limit for not just Phoenix for Pentagon as well. I think is uh, there's money there that hasn't been uh, exploited um, these last couple of years. Yeah. Now listen, um the podcast saying goes we could talk forever but um i've got we've got stuff to do and uh we can we're gonna get get you back on and hopefully have a few other lads from grapple on and maybe we'll cool and, and have a chat again because um, i'm big fans of yours maybe. i'm really glad you took some time maybe maybe i mean <laughs> have if, a think about that one <laughs> if, 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 if 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 we can afford well you know i don't, I don't know where, i don't know where to go. but um but thanks a million for coming on it was actually genuinely you said this every time but i mean it was one of my one of my favorite chats to have on this podcast it was fantastic um okay. so no problem at all i really enjoyed talking and getting picking the brain of, of someone who i'm a big fan of so listen you don't need a book plug everything away everything yeah. thank you um yeah i was gonna say you know i obviously uh hear great things about this podcast from steph and uh, and about yourself uh first time i heard of you was uh was will telling me about the uh the young irish lad he was uh Aww. lost and also trying to make his way back to Col- to cologne uh, we never connected when we were in germany it never happened i just kept hearing stories could have gotten you a lift to uh to the airport there mate if we'd uh, i will do it next time I, I, i'm definitely sending an email to wxw next time being like <laughs> listen i'm coming as media and i'm i need i have a list of demands i'm I, i'm a liability and i need help <laughs> 
Oh, next we'll, we'll get you covered. You'll be, you know, you'll be the expert next time. There'll be other people asking you for advice. Um, but yeah, great to uh, great to chat, get to chat to you finally. And yeah, as I say, uh, grapple grapple.podbean.com is the, uh, the home of our podcast or at grapple up on Twitter. Um, we talk nonsense every Monday and we just talk about everything that happens in the wrestling world. We also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash grapple. Uh, and as you've said, yeah, over on uh, postwrestling.com, as is on the hat, I do the British wrestling experience once a month where for our sins, we delve into the dumpster fire that is British wrestling once a month. So yeah, check that out over there as well. I'm on Twitter, Spencer Richie. Yeah, it's a, it's one of my favorite tours to be honest, because uh, the crazy is coming for us. Richard is the is the judge, jury, and executioner for most of Twitter, sadly, <laughs> sadly these days. But um, the less yeah, said about yeah. the less said about that, the better. But uh, in terms of us, I have a bit of a left field one today. Um, last night we did a charity fundraiser on College Radio for Jigsaw Mental Health, which is Mental Health in Ireland, 15, 25 year olds because the new lockdown. It's a really, really important thing. And we raised 229 euro yesterday because we couldn't stop laughing at videos of Shawn Michaels kicking people's heads off and um, and Mark, Mark Albridge clips as well. Um, so go and check that out and just uh, I'll put the GoFundMe link and donate. We've got leaving it open for another week. Um, as for us, uh, you can find us on Project Dates. Um, I think by now the Manscaped sponsorship will be out. So use code uh, Hallway for 20% off if you want to buy something. Uh, if you want to keep your balls clean, make your testes your besties, as, as, as they said eloquently. Um, and um, yeah, Project It's, there's four podcasts on there The Worst Wrestling, Plus Out of Time for Your Football, um, uh, It's himself, and just and us as well. And I've got some interviews coming out. Uh, we've got an interview with uh, Joe Hendry out right now. LJ Cleary will be out by the time this is out. Um, Mark Haskins is coming out soon. That was a really good chat. So check them all out and then um, just um, support them. Um, hopefully, we'll be doing a lot more interviews soon. Um, and you can find me on Twitter at rain underscore on uh, no underscore numbers. My Twitter gets uh, very interesting after a few beers. I I, I, I need to stop. I mean, I, I, I need to stop tweeting when I when I'm when I'm drunk. But um, but yeah, don't we all? And Hallway Grass Pod as well on Twitter. And uh, yeah, just. Uh, as we say at the end of the episode of the Holly Wrestling Podcast, don't be a dick. <laughs> <laughs>